Praise the Lord, everyone. Praise the Lord. Find a place to be. In a minute, we're going to stand up. We're going to read the word of God. We are in the book of Ruth. And today we're going to look at three characters, the three main characters in this order, Boaz, Naomi, Ruth, and how they are redeemed and how they are instruments of redemption. So the book of Ruth, would you turn there? It's in the Bible uh, towards the very beginning. The book of Ruth, chapter 2, verse 1. And when you, when you find it, would you stand with me? We're going to read from the word of God. Be listening here to the story, and I'm going to fill us in. So if you're new to the book of Ruth, I'll, let us, I'll, I'll tell us about this story and how this fits in the bigger picture of God's redemption. But it says this, uh, chapter 2, verse 1, in the book of Ruth, Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. So this is just a little piece of foreshadowing saying that there's going to be a character named Boaz and he is of the same clan of Elimelech and that was her husband who died. The author mentions this twice, so it's kind of important and we'll get to this idea later about a kinsman redeemer. So here we are, verse two now. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and I will pick the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. And Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So when she went out, entered a field, began to glean behind the harvesters. And as it turned out, you remember that phrase from last week? It just so happened to be, as it turned out, the Lord's guidance, the Lord's providence. He's over all this. When she was working in a field, in a field belonging to Boaz, the character who was just foreshadowed, who was from the clan of Elimelech. So the author really wants us to know that this is a relative of Naomi. And so the whole story is gonna be redeemed by this relationship. You'll see. Verse four, just as Boaz arrived from Bethlehem, he greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. He's a good guy. Uh, Verse five, Boaz asked the overseers of the harvest, who is this young woman? Who does this young woman belong to? And the overseer replied, she's the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. In other words, she's very hardworking. This is just everyday kind of stuff, normal life in the ancient world. So Boaz says to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field. Don't go away from here. Stay with the women who work with me for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting. Follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. Wherever, whenever you are thirsty, go get a drink from the waters the men have filled. And this, at this, She, Ruth, bowed down with her face to the ground and asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you noticed me a foreigner? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Christ is in our midst. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you that you are the great redeemer. You are the one who lives and reigns and redeems our lives, our situations. And Lord, you also make us instruments of redemption. So Lord, we pray for this. We ask for it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people at New Life Manitou shouted. Amen. Amen. You may be seated now. This, I pray, is a prophetic 
message. I know you all, as a congregation, you often receive these messages and we talk about it throughout the week and you receive them kind of as prophecy, as a right word at the right time. And as I think about the time that we're living in right now, I think a lot of us are kind of looking around. The society is opening our eyes, looking around and still coming to a place where we find and see Man, there's, there's strife. John mentioned it today during the offering moment, political strife. There's, there's a lot of people are like, man, isn't this COVID thing over yet? Like we had hoped it would be over. Still like pray for my dad. He might be watching online. Hi, dad, if you are. He is tested positive right now. So he's, he's got it. And so it's like, man, I thought this thing would be over by now. Many of us in the society now, I think if I just had my pulse on the, on the, my finger on the pulse of the world, I was like, man, a lot of people people are looking up, kind of looking towards the holidays. Tomorrow is 40 days out from Christmas. So in some calendars and Christian churches, Advent starts tomorrow. And so we look at this time as like, man, I thought things would be, you know, fairy tale-ish by now. And we look around and they are not. I think the world in our lives, people are needing redemption and reminder that Jesus is the one who redeems. So today's sermon, if you're taking notes, we're going to be looking at the theme of redemption in the book of Ruth. We're going to look at uh, Boaz, Naomi, and Ruth in that order and seeing that each one of these characters are redeemed and each one of them are instruments of redemption in God's story. The ways of the Lord are about redemption. The ways of the kingdom are about redemption. Redemption, redemption, redemption is what we see in the book of Ruth. And so I have two questions for you today. I'm just going to state the questions right now. And at the end of this sermon, I'm going to come back to these questions kind of in a holy moment so that you can ask yourself just before you and the Lord the answers to these questions. One is is what parts of your life, what areas of your life do you need redeeming from the Lord? You need the Lord's help. You need the Lord's saving power. You need the Lord's redemption in your life. In what areas of your life. And the second question is to encourage you. The second question is, in what ways can you be an instrument of God's redemption in other people's lives, in the story of what God is doing? How do you need redemption and how can you bring redemption in the world around you? Those are the two questions I'll come back to at the end of this sermon. But first, the definition. If you're writing down definitions of what redemption is, it's kind of a legal thing. Redemption is to gain or to regain possession of something, someone, in exchange for by payment. So we often use like the words like saved. We could say rescued. We could say found or become into belonging. We could say to, to, to deliver someone or something from bad consequences, that would be to redeem it or to, to redeem a person. These are all parts of the definition of what we're talking about today when we talk about the theme of redemption in the book of Ruth. Book of Ruth, there's no bad guy in the book of Ruth. The only bad thing, the conflict in the book of Ruth, if you you weren't with us last week, if the book of Ruth isn't familiar to you, the bad thing, the bad, you know, the, the conflict in the book of Ruth is these three main characters, Boaz, Naomi, and Ruth, in the circumstances in which they find themselves. So the book opens up with a famine, and Naomi and her husband go to Moab, and the husband dies. And Naomi's left with two sons, and they marry Moabite women, and then those sons, they die. And then, so so there's like Ruth, 
this other girl, Ofra, and there's Naomi. And they're kind of left without the men in their lives. They're all missing a husband. They're all widows at this point. And Naomi hears that the Lord has been good to the people back in Bethlehem, that the famine is over. And so she heads back. And guess who, long, guess who gets to go along with her? Ruth. And so that's kind of where the story picks up. These two women, kind of destitute, both widows, both having very little in this life, and they are in need of redemption. And the particularities of this story is kind of how God interacts with people. I mean, it doesn't God always kind of enter into stories? Doesn't God use the particularities of stories? I think about the way Jesus taught. He didn't just start reading a systematic theological textbook. He told stories. He told parables. It's the stories of our lives where God comes in. He's sovereign over all. His providence is seen in the particularities of our stories. I think the world today loves to just talk in generalities, make big rules, make big policies, hide behind policies, talk about things just in general terms. And the way the Lord works, think about this, is in the lives of our stories. Think about like if our life is like swimming through water, then the Lord is like always just above the surface. He's there. He's sovereign. His providence is there. And here we are swimming around, doing things, going down into the deep, getting into the darkness. And, and maybe sometimes we come up for air and see that, man, the Lord, his light, his mercy, his glory is just right above the surface. I kind of see the book of Ruth playing out like that, where these characters go about, they're just kind of day to day operations and life, and the Lord is just above the surface. Some of you live your lives like this. I'm going to call out someone, a family actually, and whenever I call out from the pulpit someone, it's always to honor them. It's always to like, man, this is, I just see the normal day-to-day life, uh, how you live, and you just kind of live like the Lord is just above the surface. So Ross and Sarah, there they are over there, the Wagles, rhymes with bagel, Wagle. Ross and I went fishing uh, the week before last, and I would tell you where we went, but it was a good day of fishing, so I'm not going to tell you our secret location. But we're just driving, and Ross is talking, and an ambulance goes by. Do you remember that, Ross? Or was it, I think it was an ambulance. Lights on, and, and Ross just stops the conversation and quickly prays for the people that are going to be affected by the ambulance. And I just thought, man, here's a guy that lives in in this metaphor, in the water, but knows that the Lord is just right there at the surface. And then Sarah, her baby shower was yesterday. I wasn't there because baby showers are usually girls kinds of things. Uh, Guys aren't allowed. But Erica, my wife, came home from the baby shower and just said, I've never been to a baby shower like where the woman who's being honored, who's going to have the baby, and they're going to have a little boy in just a little while, um, where the woman goes around and prays for all the guests that came and blesses them. It's like, man, here's a family. And I know them because they live just like two houses down, two houses down from us, so I see them all the time. They're a group of people that live their day-to-day lives, and they just know the Lord is right there right above the surface of life. So getting back to the story, I see this whole book of Ruth unfolding and it just seems like everyday life kind of stuff. Like someone looking back at their life and telling the tale of their life and here God is just above the surface as we go through life, swimming through all that the Lord has for us. So that's all just the introduction. Let's get to the sermon 
Three points, three characters, Boaz, Naomi, and Ruth, each one of them redeemed by the Lord in the story, and each one of them used by the Lord to redeem and bring the Lord's redemption to the story. So, point number one, uh, Boaz is a picture of Christ's redemption. Boaz is a picture of Christ's redemption. This one may seem very obvious to you if you're familiar with the book of Ruth. He is a very Christ-like figure. He is the kinsman redeemer. We'll, we'll talk about what that means. And he, the first scene of him is just a good one. He greets the people. Ruth 2, 4, it says, just then, Boaz. It's almost like this story is being played out. It's like, it just so happens that Ruth is in Boaz's field. And it just so happens that that moment he shows up and he greets everyone, the Lord be with you. And then they answer back, the Lord bless you. This just a greeting. Like he's seen right from the get-go as a good person. And just as a side note, I think our like physical real life greetings are becoming more and more and more important. Like we live in a digital age of the texting and the messaging. And when we are in real life, the same place with another person, like just as a side note, our greetings mean something. We could bring life even with our greetings. Boaz does this. He sees people for who they are. He sees people for how the Lord sees them. And he instantly just sees this woman, Ruth, and says, who is this? And then the overseer of the, the field says, oh, this is, you know, her reputation kind of precedes her. She's a foreigner, but look how hard she's working. And then they enter into this conversation. And Boaz says in verse eight of chapter two, we already read this, so I'll just kind of paraphrase. My daughter, listen to me, don't go to another field. Stay in this field. You are welcome here. You know, stay, she gives, uh, he gives her a little bit of instruction, stay behind the women, and you're welcome to glean here. And it's just like Boaz is setting up a scene and kind of redeeming Ruth in this situation because she's a woman. And this is the ancient world where women were uh, considered less than. She's a woman, she's alone, and she's a foreigner. She is very vulnerable in this situation in the ancient world. And guys, like when we start working together, I used to work construction, going through seminary. I worked part-time and kind of full-time here and there working construction. I don't know what it is about guys working and then like a woman walks by and it's, it's just, it turns into, it's just horrible. Like what, like, why do you, why do we, no, that's not a good situation. So I had a really good boss who was kind of like a Boaz character. And if he caught that, if it, like a bunch of us guys were working and like some cat calls or some disrespect happened, he would come in and he would scream at it. He was like, don't you dare, don't do that. That we respect women, that we were gonna, and he was just a good guy, kind of a Boaz character. Boaz is protecting Ruth. He's redeeming her, even though she's a woman, she's alone, and she's a foreigner in this situation where she could be taken advantage of. Boaz helps her. And I think as another side note, like we in our world, whatever authority we have, whatever business we have to help people who are outsiders and vulnerable, let's do that. That is a part of the Lord's redemption happening here on this earth. So anyways... Uh, we need to talk about gleaning, and we need to talk about a kinsman redeemer. And to do that, I need to do a spoiler alert. So here's what we're going to do. You ready for this? I'm going to do a nerd alert, talk about what gleaning is. Then we're going to do a spoiler alert. I'm going to go to the end of the book of Ruth and spoil the ending for you. And then we're going to go back to a nerd alert and do uh, kind of a talk about what a, what a kinsman redeemer is. So we're going to do nerd alert, spoiler alert, nerd alert, never 
in the history of New Life Manitou have we done back-to-back-to-back alerts? Because some of you aren't even smiling, and it's just, I'm trying to lighten up the mood here. We're going to get into ancient, like, history, a little bit of nerdy stuff, and so I'm trying to lighten in the atmosphere, okay? Okay, so first nerd alert. All right, all right, all right. For the sake of our visitors, let's not go, let's not go too crazy. So uh, the nerd alert, the, the gleaning thing. We need to get in the history of the ancient world for just a second and realize that when people harvested in the ancient world in Israel, there was this kind of this welfare system that was set up to help people that didn't have jobs and didn't have land and didn't have any means to like, take care of themselves, especially in this time where they had just experienced the famine. So what harvesters would do where they would go in and harvest and they wouldn't pick up like every little piece of grain. Instead, they would go through and harvest quickly and they would intentionally leave a whole bunch of grain out. They would leave, I don't know what percentage, but they would leave a pretty good percentage of grain left for people then that had no jobs, no land, who were destitute. They could come in and they could glean whatever the harvesters left and that would be their livelihood. So here Ruth finds herself, a woman, an outsider, foreigner, alone, in this context of gleaning. She's, and she's being allowed to do so by Boaz. And so it's just part of this redemption story. Okay, now the spoiler alert. Because uh, at the end of the book, I just need to tell you the ending, we know that Ruth and Boaz, they fall in love, they get married, they live happily ever after. And it's this whole redeeming story where at the end of the book, uh, they have a baby. And guess who gets to hold the baby? Naomi, the grandma of Ruth, who they're just related by law, but it's this whole redeeming story where Ruth and Boaz have a child and the book ends with this fairy tale happy ending of Naomi holding the baby. Like it's come full circle. This woman who has no family, it now has family. So we know that Boaz is this redeemer in the story and he is so because of this, uh, we got to go into another nerd alert. So nerd alert. All right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, kinsman redeemer. This, this idea in the ancient world that was this legal, uh, had precedent over land that you couldn't just sell your land to anyone. You had to sell your land to family. And there were circumstances by which uh, someone who was really destitute could sell their land outside of family. But really, that was not a good situation because you would lose the land to the family and the person buying it was no good for them because there was something called a year of jubilee. Every 50 years, the land would go back to the original family. So really, if you sold the land to someone who wasn't in your family. They were just leasing it for however long it would be until that year of Jubilee when the whole family would get their land back. So anyways, all this to say, if a piece of land was owned and Naomi owns land, but she couldn't work it, she had no servants, she had no money, it was just land. If she wanted to sell the land, she had to sell it to someone who was her family, who who was her kin. And it just so happens that Boaz is related to Elimelech who was Naomi's husband who died. And so this whole story is like, oh, wow, it all just kind of works out 
Because the Lord is over all. And Boaz is both the person in the family who can redeem and he has the means to redeem. So he becomes this redeemer of the land and it all just works out. And Boaz is himself someone who is redeemed. We find out in this little conversation, we'll look at it next week, it's in chapter three, so I'm kind of jumping ahead, that Ruth and Boaz have this conversation whereby which Boaz thanks Ruth for taking notice of Boaz. And there's this little line that says, you could have run after the younger men and instead you've chosen me. And it's like, well, somehow Boaz is getting redeemed here. We don't know Boaz's story. Maybe he was beyond the years in which uh, men normally get married. Maybe he was a widower. We don't know. But he sees Ruth as someone who is actually redeeming him. So Boaz is both a redeemer, someone who is being used as an instrument of God to redeem in the situation, and he himself is being, you, being redeemed himself, okay? Point number two, let's talk about Naomi for a minute. Naomi is a picture of Christ's redemption. This is point number two. Naomi is a picture of Christ's redemption. She brings Ruth to her land, and Ruth is a foreigner. Ruth is a Moabite. Now, that might not mean too much to you, But in the ancient world, Israelites and Moabites did not get along. There was strife. There was racial uh, uh, strife. Uh, There was, uh, it was just, they didn't get along. And it goes back into some history uh, that Moab, uh, this person, comes from Lot and Lot's daughters. And I won't say any more about that other than like, this is a, like, that's their history. Israelites really looked down upon the Moabites. And in the history, if you read uh, through the, the Old Testament, you see that there was times in which Israel needed help from Moab and went to seek help. And Moab didn't help. And so that just adds to the animosity between the Israelites and the Moabites. And here's this woman who's alone, who is a Moabite being brought in to this world. And it's like, what are we going to do with this outsider, with this foreigner, with this single woman? Well, usually like in a society like that, like kind of the worst case scenario would take place and they would just shun her and shame her. And instead she has someone, Naomi, who helps her, gives her advice, brings her into her community. Now, it's interesting that this story was, the book of Ruth was written after the events take place. We know this because if you read the end of of, the book of Ruth, which I already spoiled the ending for you, uh, it lists some generations that follow Ruth. And the very last one is David. So clearly this book was written, at least composed and compiled, canonized after David. So it's like this book is being written at a time to remind people of what to do with foreigners and outsiders and those who don't belong. And what is the answer? Well, it's to redeem them. It's to bring them in. It's to show love and mercy to them. Our future as a church is in the blessing of people who do not belong. You can recognize, I'm going to say this twice, you can recognize the people of God by how they recognize the people who don't belong. You can recognize us. You can recognize the people of God by how we recognize those who don't belong. I've heard it said, I don't, I don't know, it depends on how you think about it, but I've heard that the church is the only organization that exists for its 
non-members. Have you heard that? It's like, wow, yeah, we exist as a people. New Life Manitou, we're not just a club here. We exist for the redemption of the world. We are to be used as instruments for how the Lord will redeem and his kingdom will come on this earth. So Naomi is a redeemer. I don't know if you've ever read this story thinking about how that works, but Naomi redeems Ruth. And then, of course, like the whole picture, the whole story is about Naomi's redemption. Like the story starts off, she's in a famine. She has no family. The death of her husband, the death of her sons. And it ends with what? Naomi bring, brought back into family, holding the little baby that is kind of hers by Ruth, who is her daughter-in-law. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of Naomi being a redeemer. Finally, this last person, Ruth, the third main character in the story, the story to whom the name Ruth is given. Ruth, point number three, is a picture of Christ's redemption. Ruth is a picture of Christ's redemption. Have you ever thought about that relationship between Ruth and Naomi? Naomi's redeeming Ruth, but Ruth is also kind of redeeming Naomi. Have you ever thought about it that way? Naomi is someone who has just lost a husband, who has just lost her two sons. She has nothing. And Ruth decides to go with her from Ruth's hometown to Naomi's hometown, knowing that she, Ruth, will be a foreigner and gets to somehow take care of Naomi. And Naomi goes on and on. There's this interaction that we looked at last week in chapter one, where Naomi basically says, I have nothing to give you because Naomi had a child, a son, and Ruth married that child. But those children, those boys that Naomi had are both passed away. And Naomi kind of, it seems to be kind of a joke. She says, even if I had a son in my womb right now, would you wait for him to get older so that you could marry him? It's kind of a silly, like, no, that, that Naomi has nothing to give to Ruth. And Ruth then becomes a redeemer of sorts in Naomi's life because Ruth decides to go with her. And we see these very famous lines. We see it in Ruth uh, chapter one, verse 16. Ruth is talking to Naomi. She replies, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you will go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, your God, my God. That's Yahweh. She converts to following Yahweh. And where you will die, there I will be buried. Ruth ends up redeeming Naomi by staying with her. This friendship, this loyalty is a redemption picture for Naomi. Now we think about friendship, uh, I think, Man, the, the world today, like we don't really honor friendships and friends. You know, in America, we talk about God and family and country, right? Amen? In that order, God, family, and country. And maybe what we should add to that list is friendship, especially for people like Naomi who have lost all family. Well, friendship kind of fulfills that, that role of true family, even though they're just related by law, Naomi and Ruth, their mother and daughter-in-law, they become such friends and loyal friends that it's a redemption relationship. And Jesus provides redemption. 
And it comes along in the form of friendship. And what I mean by that is that like, we can't offer Christ anything. Romans 5, 8 says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ presents himself as this redeemer. And it's a friendship. I'm, I'm saying that because John 15, 15 says that Jesus says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. And then he goes on. It's like, I've, I call you friends because of this relationship. You're not just servants, you're friends. And so when we are friends of God, friends of Christ, there's a redemption that happens there. So as I wrap up this sermon, I wanna re-kind of give you those questions. And maybe you could bow your head. If the, the band, if you wanna come back up, let me re-ask you. So all of us in this room kind of get to ask these questions of our own selves. How or what in our lives needs to be redeemed? Is there places in our life? Is there a situation in our life where we need rescue, salvation, to be saved from the consequences of something? Is there a part of our life that needs to be redeemed? And furthermore, some of us may feel like, man, there's a lot of parts in my life that need to be redeemed. I don't have any business being a redeemer in someone else's life. I need my own life to be redeemed. Well, think about each of these three characters. They all needed redemption, and yet all three of them were redeemers for other people. God used them while they were yet sinners. While they needed to be redeemed, Christ used them as redeemers. So the, the first question is, what area of life do you need to, in, to see redemption? And the second question is, how can you be a redeemer in someone else's life? How can the Lord use you as part of his redemption on this earth and for his kingdom to come and for his will to be done? So let's pray right now. Lord, we reflect on you, that you are the great redeemer. You were the one who, who redeems us while we were yet sinners. You were the one who brings salvation. You were the one who brings rescue. You were the one who brings a freedom from the consequences of, of things that we've done to mess up. We are in need of redemption. And Lord, we pray that we might be used by you as your tools, as your instruments of redemption for your kingdom to come and for your will to be done. So Lord, now I pray that, that our hearts would be turned towards you, that as we, as we receive communion, we would receive this mystery of redemption, that every part of our life would be redeemed by you, that while maybe we don't feel that we deserve it, Lord, you died for us, your body and blood broken and shed for us, that we might re be redeemed from this world and from the ruler of this age, that we might re be redeemed to you, to the heavenly ruler, to you, Jesus the author, the protector, the, the, the one who lives and reigns over our lives. So Lord, we praise you now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.